Hello. Welcome to Human Tech, a podcast about the intersection between humans and technology. My name is Guthrie. I'm here with Susan. Hello, Susan. Hi. I started slow and then really ramped up. I was just checking to make sure I had my phone turned off. Yeah. So um, today is uh, we, we've been bouncing around a little bit. I think we finished our um, our metaverse uh, big thing. So we'll we're gonna we're gonna move on. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about just like general brain science um, uh, things. Brain sciencey stuff. Yeah, we made some UX stuff, so it's time to okay. do some brain science stuff. Um, okay. So I want to talk uh, very briefly um, about this uh, this Nancy Canwisher. Oh yeah, one of my favorite yeah. favorite researchers. So t- 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 tell me just like very briefly what you know about Nancy. I I mean I I wrote about and if, and if you don't know much that's totally fine. I you know if I'd had some warning about this topic I would have pulled out some information. No, but, that's fine. Um, I wrote in my book. I believe it's in my hundred things every designer needs to know about people book, both the first edition and the second edition, I wrote about some of Nancy Canwisher's research on, um, I mean, I'm sure she's done a lot of amazing research. I was just writing about one piece, which I think had to do with how people determine when they're looking at a picture or a photo or an avatar or something, how they determine whether, is this thing human? Is this thing not human? Um, and and that it, it's based on uh, people are actually taking cues from the eyes. They're looking at the avatar or the robot or the human's eyes and deciding whether this thing is a human. I just, it was just interesting research, but I'm sure. Yeah, you has, don't need to summarize all of her research off the top of your. Yeah, but I'm Tell sure every she's research done study a she's lot ever done. More than that, I'm sure so, she's done a lot more than that. What caught your attention about her? So work? Nancy, she uh, she works she she runs a lab at MIT, and the lab that she is involved with has, you know, basically there's like thing in brain that was discovered. A lot of it runs through this lab, um, but especially, you know, even back in the when. Uh, I'll tell you in a second, but, um, you know, she was talking about basically uh, there was a grad student back when um, MRIs were first um, kind of hitting the mainstream. And Are you talking uh, about functional. FMRIs? Yes, fMRI. Yes. Thank you. And um, she had a grad student who, you know, um, was wanted to, you know, was trying to get apply and get jobs in the corporate world or whatever. And the, you know, Nancy said, hey, look, yeah, you should really do uh, a, a study with fMRI. And the guy was like, this is this is just a flash in the pan. This thing is like, it's so... Um, oh, no one's ever really going to use it's, FMRI. It's, it's gimmicky. It's like gimmicky. And she's like, look, it, just put it on your resume, right? If you do the, do the dumbest study you can think of, yeah, put I it on like your that. resume, and then you could walk around and be like, hey, I can do Mark this, and you'll have it. And, yeah. you know, so, so the same with if you had, like, something about AI on your resume today, right? Like, yeah. whether or not it's the future or not, it, 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 like, looks good. People are interested in it. Yeah. 
So he, he was like, fine, I'll do something really just silly and we'll have people just look at pictures and we'll just have them in the fMRI and we'll show I think that I know where this is headed nothing yeah, nothing is gonna happen right and uh, so they you know goes in the fMRI and of course what they find is anytime they were showed a picture there was this one spot in the brain that was always lighting up and out of basically total happenstance they discover the part of the brain that is responsible for detecting scenes, you know, so whether are you in like a, the plains or the mountain or, you know, because um, they were just showing pictures of scenes. That's that's what they were doing. And it was the same part of the brain. Uh, and of course, that once they realized that this was on the table, then, you know, they have a they had for the next, I don't know, probably okay, until the okay. present, a parade of people parade of running people through the M- running fMRI this, where they show pictures. Of, eh, here's a picture all of a right. smile and a picture of a horse right. and a picture Before of a... Before we get back... All right, so now I want to take a tangent. <laughs> you got me going. I want to take a small tangent about... Because mm-hmm. this is interesting. You know, there's so many ways to do research, right? One way of doing research is... We, we're interested in this topic we're inter- and we're going to do a series of studies and discover, you know, what part of the brain deals with what kind of images, which I'm sure this one piece of research ended up being a lot of other research studies around it. And that's one way to do research. And the other way to do research is like totally accidental stuff that happens, like just run a study so you have fMRI on your resume. Or this made me think of another one. There's this, um, oh no, and I'm not going to remember the researcher's okay. name. But there's this other researcher who was, um, it, it, this was not humans at fMRI. This was, uh, you know, rats. We, we do a lot of research on rats because actually, biologically, rats are a lot like humans. But um, they were doing, you know, they had electrodes hooked up to rats. You're talking they, about me? Yeah, you're you're very rat-like. They had electrodes hooked up and they were taking all these measurements. And one night, um, they forgot to turn off the machine that was (laughs) recording the rat brain activity. Uh So it, it ran all night while the rats were sleeping. And then they discovered about all this real what was going on during sleep then how that was related to what had gone on during the activity of the day and he actually had he made all these breakthroughs about the role of sleep and what's happening in the brain and consolidation of memory and it started this whole big line of research and it was an accident that somebody didn't turn off the machine (laughs) at night so I think there's, you know, and I think any researcher, you know, and it, certainly I think any of the famous researchers will tell you that, that, you know, these accidents, accidental things happen and they, they are, they can take you into a, a wonderful line of research. So don't, you know, so don't discount that if someone says oh why don't you do this or if someone says hey a really weird thing happened last night when we forgot to turn the machine off so anyway that's uh that all right back to can wisher back to can wisher i only bring it up um because i in in doing some uh identifying some materials for people in research uh, i came across it's buried it's like impossible to find. 
Um, but there's this series of courses on YouTube, which is the MIT CBMM. And it's like, it's hard to find, but it's, uh, it's specifically the, Q1 2018. Well, you know what Spring we can do? Two thousand eighteen. Yeah, I have it. I have the, uh, you gave me the link and I have it up on my computer. 9.11. We can put the link in, uh, in our notes for this podcast episode. Yeah. It's got like 4,000 views. I, I, I Nobody's am a huge, watching this. I'm a huge fan of finding, um, random like, things, really, really great things on YouTube that so are amazing that no one, Nancy Canwisher? Yeah, it is. Basically, she she's giving just like the like the like the like how the brain works according to Nancy. But it's edited in such a way that it's in like it's in like these amazing chunks. So it's like it's like 9 minutes on the face system. Okay, so do you feel I, and I, you told me about these and I have not watched them yet. And I think, um, or like I, eight, like how, eight. how much, all right, I'm going to have to, like, I'm going to ask for some time off from all my project work so that I can sit around and watch these videos. They're not long. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's like, uh, like 26 minutes on how fMRI works. Yeah. And then five minutes on, you know, uh, how, how the brain is processing visual images, how the role of animals in neuroscience. And then, so, so it's from a lecture, but it's, but instead of it being just like, here's like an hour, hour it's like you, the lecture. whole thing, um, which are fine. Like, this is like really just amazing. Pulling out the amazing excerpts, but it's like, it's not heavily edited. So I don't and know it, how this thing happened. It's amazing. I'm going to definitely check it out. We'll put the link in and, and let people, uh, Recently, uh, if anyone follows my my LinkedIn or my socials, I recently I recently found this amazing lecture about forests. I know, you know, you sent that to me, and yeah, and at first I was like, "Why is he?" Yeah, it has like it's it's like it's like from like the yeah. some Vermont county workshop. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah, that's right. It starts off there's some so it's a remote meeting in Vermont. It's like, there's the, like twelve the, people on a Zoom. People on the 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 quarterly meeting for the friends of the forest or something you know it's like <laughs> Some I mean Vermont something thing. like that and I I started watching got, it has it has like a like, hundred views why did he send me this but it's really good and it's so good and it's such a great example too besides being interesting about force and I'm I'm very interested in in the all the the new what's work a forest and research on force. Yeah, so it's it's about what's a force. And at first I was like, why would I want to watch this? But it's really good and it's a really good example. Here's what I think it's an excellent example of, even if you don't care about force. Are we gonna have to put this link in too? I okay. hope so. Yeah. All right. First of all, who doesn't care about forests? But Everyone loves forests. It's a it's a really good example of the power of a mental model. Yeah. To grab attention and to uh, to engage someone in material. It's just mm-hmm. it, because he starts right off with, 
you know, it's like, okay. What's a forest? Well, he says, it's what, not trees. what's a forest? It's not trees. And then you, and you're like, what? Because you know that. Because there are like, there's like the, there are like the tree farms that people yeah, probably but, have driven but by. You, and that's not still, a forest. But it's still such an interesting question because yeah, in right. right away you go, you know, I don't know what a forest let's, is. Let's and get then him on just, the podcast. Okay. We'll have to, okay. you have to write that down. I, that would be great. We'll get the forest right. guy on the podcast. I'm going to write that down. We could get Nancy Canwisher on the podcast. I don't think we can. But but I know her because I've communicated with her about the research that I put in my book. And she responded back and gave us permission to use the photos and all of that. So um, I'm going to write this down. I'm going to write down, get forest guy. And I'll also, <laughs> I'll also write down, try and get... Nancy Canwisher. Hey, and I just want to add, um, uh, we should reserve just a time at the end. We have a question that's a little unrelated, but we'll, we'll maybe at the end, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll try save to some time. Answer. We'll save some time. Yeah. And in fact, I do want to say if, if any of you guys that are uh, listening or watching, whether live real time or, or later, if you have ideas of topics you would like us to cover uh, people you'd like us to bring on and and have on oh, the, the podcast. Well, We're always open to that. Yeah, sure. We'll get. Aren't we? We'll we'll get Joe Rogan and Elon Musk next. No, we're not. No, I didn't say they had to be incredibly famous people. Okay, let's let's get let's get back to the forest. Okay, I thought we were talking about Nancy Canwisher. Okay, let's get back to Nancy Canwisher. Okay, go ahead. Um, so I, I just so I just I, I just really wanted to sort of bring um, people people's attention to this really, really awesome uh, series and it's somehow amazingly complex. like the pro one of the problems I think that happens a lot in our field in the behavioral science field that is that you know, we are trying to explain, to people really complex research and i don't i think we i think we do a good job of not of for the most part we could probably do better from time to time of not dumbing it down too much um and saying like well it's like this and do it all the time and it's because x or y like we do i think we usually use add the blue. caveat just use blue yeah you know like or, or, or like or like blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, red is for anger, you know, or some something simplistic, right? And and the reality is, is how we perceive colors is really, really, really complicated. Yeah, uh, she has in the course uh, in, uh, a picture that is a visual representation of all the parts of the visual system and how they connect with each other. And it's I I I'll, I wonder if I can find it, but um. It's basically like there's like a hundred different boxes and there's a line there's all over the place. I mean, it's it's impossibly complex. Right. Uh, and just just as an example, we'll stick with the vision system because it's easy to uh, research because it's sort of towards the it's in the back it's in the back. And so you can, you can kind of get close to it and you can take good pictures of it. And uh, it's just it, it it's easy to tell 
what you're looking at if you're because you can display a picture and then not display a picture yeah. versus like perception uh, versus like uh, touch or something uh, yeah. in some capacity or like emotional thinking or something they, yeah. like you're not you can't turn it on and off the way you can with like we showed show a picture. The picture take the picture take the away, picture away. Show the, uh, yeah um and you know so there's a there is a part of the brain uh so so if you take a a a, a vertical light okay think of like a uh you know straight a straight stick of light yes okay and if you move it Right there's a part of the brain that'll track the movement. No, it won't track the moment. Well, that 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 is processing. Right, processing. But this part of the brain only goes if you're at like a straight angle. And if you go to forty five, then that's a nothing. That's a different part of the brain for seeing movement at a forty five degree angle versus a versus a straight up and down. This is the kind of um, the the systems and as she she says, problem solving that the brain has adapted to to figure out. But it is ridiculously complex it's very complex and it's, it's she, really interesting yeah so so she uh is dumbing it down the best that she can but but not leaving anything out and yeah. i think that's that's what's she that's does what's really, really great good job at that to to be like to to demonstrate how comp to, we're going through all the steps and there are a lot of steps but each step i'm going to try to make as simple as possible yeah um and i and i think um Sometimes in our field, in our industry, as it's become more popularized, and I will say that maybe the the number of people in the industry is growing, and therefore the overall expertise of any one person is decreasing, um, because there are maybe less ec- experts, especially in a sort of academic researchy step, and more generalists, which is not a bad thing. It just it just is, um, but I do think some of the uh, amazing complexities of how complex these systems are can get lost and get lost. And much like the forest, we have most people walking around have no concept of what a forest is or like, what's the most important thing in a forest, you know, like what, what's the biggest indicator of whether a forest is healthy or not. And it turns out the answer to that is dead trees. Dead trees. That's the not the not the not the ones that are trees. alive. It's the dead ones right. that actually are the biggest, the, the, like the best indicator of how healthy a forest is. And it's right. so counterintuitive, but it's because it's this complex system, and you need the nutrients, and there's the carbon sink, and there's this whole thing, and the life cycle of trees, you know, and certain and trees have to die, so other species can thrive. A lot of things in the brain too, the way the brain works, are counterintuitive. You know, it's like. Like you said, with the, and if it's a forty-five degree light changing, that's a different part of the brain, and and it's like, what? Why would it be different? I think that I think you're right. I think there's um, there's an in, it is interesting about how much detail and and it's not even detail, but how much how much specifics, how many specifics. You need to know or should know about a body of knowledge in order to be able to use it and think about it and apply it. 
Um, I don't know that there's a, a clear answer to that. I, you know, I think, I mean, I think there is a certain level beyond where if you don't know enough depth to that level, then it's you're not going to be able to use it. It might be interesting, but it won't necessarily be usable. But I think that's you're, how you're, it, you're, par you're parroting the information, but you're not understanding the information. Well, and often, like you said, with the gen, I mean, there is definitely is a, a danger of, of generalizing it. And, and you and I, I think we, we struggle. I don't know if that's the right word, but we deal with this a lot because we teach, right? We teach workshops and, it's and a, in a room, you'll have software developers and people who went to art school. And people who have studied neuroscience <laughs> and as a master's and, and, and people who, yeah, you have people who didn't take any, any of this in school. So you have this big wide variety of people in the room. You have one day to, to teach them stuff. You know, you're not going to do a semester long neuroscience course. And yet there's, interesting and important stuff from that all those fields that you feel you want to impart so how much detail do you go into what do you do about the fact that you know that you're not telling them everything and you know how much should you overgeneralize i think it's all it's all uh, really good questions and, and and we deal with it all the time and, and we have our own limitations of understanding i mean we are not neuroscientists our understanding of the human brain is probably a fraction of Nancy's. That's that would definitely be true. And so, and Nancy's understanding is probably a fraction of some of her lab techs who are. I mean, working on I, a specific part you know, of the brain. I have a PhD in psychology, and I did research on I did neuroscience research for my PhD dissertation, and I'm going to say I am not an expert in this field, right? Because you can even if you are an expert in something in the field yeah. it's a little a little something you yeah. know plus my work was a long time ago before fmri was out so and i've tried to keep up but you know how many things can you keep up with so yeah yeah it's all but it's still it's still interesting and i would still even even with the possibility of possible misunderstanding or overgeneralization, I still suggest that people learn about this stuff and and read about it and watch the YouTube videos and come to our workshops because I'm going to just say in general that the more you know about people and how they think and how their brains work, the better you will able be able to, if you're, a, if you're doing design, if you're doing nudging if you're doing any of the things that we work with our clients on i think it's useful the more you i know, think the it's also you useful to um this is just general advice if you're looking to learn something i think you should look for uh, an expert level that is one step above where you are so um you mean don't go too far above, don't, don't but don't go don't right go at the same, the same level. level. So we are um, experts in, in certain capacities about behavioral science. So where I go to learn is I 
I don't want to go to people who are summarizing stuff. I need to go for my own understanding to really right to understand it. some of the nuances. Yeah. Um, you, I have to go straight to the source. So I, I learn almost all of my stuff directly from the people who did the actual research, the research or yeah. reading the literal research papers. Yeah. And even if I'm reading something and I may not totally understand what's happening, I probably understand a lot of it. And just seeing the context of the of how of, like what is the context in which this research is being yeah, done it's really important what is right like what did the study look like so what was the I, other part of the study I, that much, wasn't statistically yeah, significant and how much can i generalize this or not right uh and what you know what caveats did the researchers yeah. say like well you know we that this is interesting, but we worry that in, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah environment that, that you know, these effects hold. may not hold true, but maybe they do. But that requires, you know, every research study, you know, in the in the conclusion is like further research in this topic is needed. Is, is needed. Yeah, it's, it's, you can put that everywhere. Um, right. So so that so that's where I go. That's why, you know, I needed I wanted to go to Nancy, who's an expert. But All right, I have questions. Someone less Go experienced. Ahead. Finish you, well, your I, for someone less experienced, you don't. You know, don't, I think reading academic research is great, but that may be overwhelming for some people. Yes. All right. Here's another question I have for you. Mm -hmm. yeah, so you sure. mentioned about the the line, the the forty five degree angle line versus the the vertical. Can you? I'm putting you on the spot. Can you tell me one other thing I'm not that you through the learned? course yet? So what I know, I'm not, but I'm not through everything. Is there one other thing you would like to share that you learned? This, I know I'm putting you on the spot for about the brain. Yeah, that you as thought a was general topic that you thought was interesting that you learned from the Nancy Canwisher videos. Ah. Um, there is a uh, there's a there's a fun color thing you can do. Uh, where she, in her thing, I don't know if you've seen this. Have you seen the pictures of the cars? I'm not sure. What are you talking about? Uh, one of her research assistants, I don't know what research assistants, one of someone in her lab, person who is not her, did this research. So it's not her research, but it's someone associated with it. Yeah. And there's a picture of four cars. Yeah. And the cars are of different colors. Yeah. But you can tell they're like in a, it's like a filter. Right. Think of like yeah. an Instagram filter. Right. Yeah. Where it's like so like it looks pink, but you can tell that it's that it's just a yellow car with a pink with filter. a pink tilt tint. Yeah. 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 Because the because the background is white, it's, but the background's pink. So you can yeah. infer the color. Of the car. Um, and so you see these you see all these pictures uh, and if the cars are different colors. And in fact, the cars are all the same color. They just look like they're different colors because we don't see color. We infer color based on the lambda of the light that gets reflected yes. off yes. of stuff. Yeah. No, I, I haven't that's seen that. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a really good one. I can't wait to watch these videos. There, I have seen other research like that. I use that um, when I'm teaching. You know, I teach uh, a course a semester at University of Wisconsin, and I uh, for one of the courses, I do some of these, I do demonstrations. And there's this great demonstration of that effect. There's like a, a checkerboard of, of grays, white, medium, light gray, medium gray, dark gray. And um, it's, it's similar to that because you look at two, 
two squares on the checkerboard and one is obviously a very light gray and the other one is obviously a very dark gray but then I take the checkerboard and I move it <laughs> from its original spot to the other spot and then you realize wait wait a minute that's the same color but it really does not look I mean it looks wildly different and and I have the students in the class usually go, what? Wait, what? Do that Do that again. And then they don't believe me. They're like, you're doing something. You've programmed it to change color as you move it. And it's like, no, no, it's not. And I have to show them, how, you know, it's really not. So, yeah, I find that, you know, that is so, I think these things that have to do with, um, it's so interesting, Guthrie, that, it's going on in our own brain and we don't understand it. <laughs> you know, how could we be so wrong about what we think we're seeing? Like, it just is amazing. You know, and even when you see, and even when you're told what it is, it still doesn't change the way you perceive it. Right. You still yeah. perceive it that way. And uh, I, I think, you know, to me... To me, that is very eye-opening because, well, I want, oh, don't get going. I'm not going to get going on the philosophy of perception and what is real and, uh, but you could, right? Because we get to the point where everything we think is real, you know, is not really real. Oh, you have a, uh, for those of you who are not just listening, but are watching this, uh, as a video, um, Guthrie just popped up the uh, an example. Yes, this is Rosa Laffer Souza. Probably pronouncing that wrong, but that's um, that that's the researcher in question. So, so you're saying fun? so? I'm looking at a picture of four cars, mm -hmm. and you can tell again, like you said, it looks like it's just a filter thing. But one car is definitely green. Yeah. One is definitely blue. blue. One is like pinkish purple. And the other is yellow. And these are very, now, but you're saying they're not. Uh, the the right. cars are actually all the same color. And this is being inferred from uh, the background colors. Is that what you're saying? That's, that, that is, that is, that is exactly what I'm saying. I'll see if I can't. Uh... If, uh, if I have the, yeah. at, at one point, at one point, uh, it's, it switches. You see the switch. Well, okay. I wish I didn't have any work oh, I had to do. Oh, here, here you go. Here you go. All right. All right. I'm so ready. do you I'm see watching. how it's, how it's gray? Yeah. It's gray in all four corners. It's gray, yeah. right? It's gray. It's gray. Yeah. And you can see the colors at the bottom. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Well, so all I, the cars are gray. I'm going to have to um, take off work this afternoon, Guthrie. <laughs> <laughs> so all the meetings we have scheduled, we just cancel them. And I'm going to be watching YouTube videos about the brain. <laughs> Anyways, you, you did ask if there was another fun one. That's a, that's a, that's a fun one. I like that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, it just, uh, the, the level of complexity and sophistication. And by the way, 
uh, I looked up um, one of the paper papers of that person, and it's of which way person? over my head. That you mean this particular study with the colors? Yes. Okay. The, well, the, the researcher who did this study, what, yeah. like one of her academic yeah. study stuff. I mean, and she's doing you know neuroscience at MIT, so okay. But um, it just, I mean, way I, I can I can read the econ papers. You know, I can get you through. You can't the, read the uh, neuroscience. I could get through the um, the Kahneman and Traversky econ with the graphs and the yeah. And the, the well, that, you know, that's that is really interesting. I can't get through stuff. those. Okay, all your all your econ and behavioral economics Ooh, yeah. research a, studies. I because I've looked through some of them that you pointed out to me, and I'm like. <laughs> no yeah. but i can get through a, not all but a lot of the neuroscience ones you know there's do you do you remember uh in our courses i sometimes talk about um the fact that uh the triggering of the of the decision behavior and it being one neuron i don't know if you remember we talk about that and that's based on some research uh, by a neuroscientist named uh, Shadlin, who I actually know. Okay, so this is one of these weird things. So, um, and I and I all right. So, hi, <laughs> you know Guthrie that on the side when I'm not doing all this stuff, I'd like to do stuff with jazz, right? I. Yes sing jazz, I compose jazz, I go to jazz camps, you know, for adults. And um, a couple years ago, uh, probably like 2013, I was out in the state of Washington, uh, in a really nice part called Port Townsend. Um, you have to take a ferry to get there. And I was at a jazz camp. And while at the camp, um, we met a, a guy named Michael Shadlin, and he's a neuroscientist at, you know, I'm not sure. I think he switched institutions, but he's in New York. And um, he talked about, you know, some of his neuroscience research. And then I went back and, and read some of his research, and that was, I, that was one of the studies I read and it was not easy to make it through that research so, paper. So this is, this is like from the paper, but I can make it through. Which this paper is, is this? This is, this is the, the, that researcher. Shadlin? No, keep, no. The, the, the can from the one with the colors. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I can relationship actually relationship of shape based regions right. to color based so regions. It's not I mean, easy this is... for me to make it through, but I can actually make it through some of the neuroscience. I'm stuff. sure the text helps to show, say what's what, but yes, no, this the, these are kind of like plots yeah, and there's wiggles. And yes, go ahead, Guthrie. I'm listening. This arrow is pointing down, and this arrow is pointing <laughs> left, and there are different colors and shape bias versus color bias. I think. I think it is sometimes useful to just look at these research papers in, you know, here's something. Partially, I'm, in, I'm, I'm impressed with just the level of 
This is the level of quality of scans that people can right. oh, get it's now really are good now. really getting wild. That good. That's a lot of like gradation and stuff. And I mean, this is. Can I, can I, uh, can I kind of complain? So this one has a monk, a human and a monkey. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> yeah yeah go ahead go ahead and complain yeah i think it's important that every now and then somebody actually tries to read one of these research papers because sometimes i don't know guthrie if this has happened to you or if you've been with me when somebody's asked this you know somebody will say well so uh, is there a research about, and then they ask a very specific question that is nothing like what any of these people would research. Like, is there a research about whether, what happens in the brain when, when they, someone is at a website and they're showing a light blue versus a medium blue. And I'm like, no, <laughs> there isn't. Nobody's going to do, you know, they just have this really specific question which i understand why they have a specific question that they want answered but it's like that's not the kind of research that's normally being done you know in at the mit neuroscience research lab you know it's many layers abstracted from that well just like the brain what do you mean you know well the brain has many layers yeah yeah, so any of these things that somebody might want an answer to, it's it's probably not even just one. And the interactions. The so so one of the uh, ways that you can, she says in her course, one of the ways to think about what, what an area of a brain does is to look at inputs and outputs. And so it's like, okay, what's the data that this region is getting in? And then what's the data it's sending out? And a lot of times it doesn't make any sense because like, it's doing this processing that's completely legible, but then it sends it to a different part of the brain that adds something and then it sends it back and then it sends it to a different part that then kind of puts some of it together and then it gets flipped all around and sent to a different part that then is like mushed with four other things and more like it doesn't, it's not a factory. It's not an assembly line. It's a lot more like, um, maybe an example would be like, like food coloring in a in a jar of water like how is your brain like food coloring in a jar of water and well, the answer we think, is we think of like okay we see there's a part of the brain that then puts it together and then there's an output and yeah. really it's like there's a trigger and all the parts are just sort of mushing and mixing in like this very complex three-dimensional yes. uh very dense way um, yes. and sort of swirling together. And that's that's like a better way to interpret how the brain thinks yes. than sort of a factory line or assembly or processor. But and that's just is, like a really wild mental model and way more I, complex. And it's really important to understand that, I think. But, but it's also the reason why, you know, you cannot say, oh, yeah, uh, you know, we can, do, we can put together machine learning and artificial intelligence just the way the human brain well you could give give it give it a decade but a decade 
it'll take more than a decade. But a machine, but a computer is not going to think. Well, this, like well, this has been the big, the, one of the big developments has been to write software that has the ability to be multi-channel on a huge system. And, at, and, um, I mean, we talk, we talked to someone, uh, you know, the, the, when it comes to that kind of stuff, humans are going to be best at things that we can do in like less than half a second. Right. That's sort of where we're at right now. You know, the, the things where there's not much processing involved, where there's not a whole lot of interactions. Those are the, um, those are the things that, that the machines can do. Is a line moving back and forth this way? Yeah. Right. And that's like all it's doing, which is very different than follow the a soccer ball as it flies through the right. air. Right. Which is like all these complex things. But right, like we're just if we're taking like the simplest you know, basic thing. That's, that's kind of where we are but as the, as you can build it up, you know, I, I think but eventually I'm going to, but I'm going to, but I'm going to say you going to be a while and I may be wrong. I'm going to say that even when we create, let's just say artificial brains or whatever you want to call it, even when we make progress in that, it's not going to work the same way the human brain does because, because, I don't think you can separate the emotional aspects, the uh, physical, um, uh, tactile aspects. You know, the, because our brains are working in this complex way that you mentioned, right? I, and and it's doing that because of you know a lot a lot of years of evolution going through all of the animal kingdoms and and it includes these things like emotions and feelings you can't it's, separate it's, that out it's it's there's like seven dimensions that it's I don't out. think them I don't think the artificial brains will replicate that I, th I think the I think I think you could do it in software in so in what I think you could do it in software but I'm more I'm more optimistic Ooh. But, you, so, so the problem is, is that you're, you're right. When the brain is thinking, it's thinking there's like seven dimensions to the brain thinking. The first is the physical connections, right? Where there's all these different systems and they're all connected in these really, really complex ways. Okay. Like, you know, like I said, like a, a, a drop of, of ink in a, in a pool of water. Okay. So that's, those, that's the first thing. But then there's also the physical differences of the way those things are moving. So there are different types of neurons and the way those neurons are connected. And the, okay, and so that's a second dimension. Well, hold on. And then there's the chemical portion, right? So yes. depending on the state of the chemicals in your brain, right. that will change the processing. Are are you keto and you have a brain fog because you don't have any glucose in your brain? You know, have you just taken a bunch of mushrooms and your brain releases all the serotonin? Like what, what are the levels of things in the brain? And that impacts it. So that's a dimension. Um, then there's probably, yep, the electrical stuff. That, the, and there's probably a couple other dimensions I don't even know about. Um, so, so yeah, it's like, it's, it's the way it's working. It's not, it's not just, oh, well, we have software that mimics the patterns. You'd have to have add these other dimensions 
um, of things that respond to the environment. Uh, and that's, and that's also a function of, of yeah. how things put together. So it's like, yeah. yeah, so it's like, it's complicated. Okay. I get, I get that it's complicated. <laughs> Is it complicated, Guthrie? It's complicated. Okay. Right. Should, you want to, you want to answer a question and then we'll get out of here? Yes. Go ahead. What's the question? Someone wrote in a question. Yeah. Someone wrote in a question. All right, um, totally in? unrelated. Unrelated. So we'll just move on. Okay. Here's the question. You want to read it out loud? Uh, so with too much data overload, how do you trust data? Um, and this is, this is, uh, I think this, this gets back to, um, this touches on a couple of different aspects. If I understand this question correctly. So for example, uh, if you have too many, you know, choices, you, you can get overwhelmed. And what really helps to trust is to like have very limited sort of choices. So Im imagine this, um, imagine, uh, let, let's take your credit score. Okay. You get an alert that says you look at a dashboard and it says your credit score has gone up three points. I have confidence that my credit score has gone up three points. Imagine you get a dashboard that shows every factor of your score and some of it has gone up and some of it has gone down and some of it has stayed the same and some of it is sideways. And it's like, there are all of these complicated factors that I'm looking at. And it's like too much for me to draw conclusions. I think that's, that's what's being asked. Okay. So one thing would be if there's less data, it might engender more trust, but I'm going to also, um, I'm going to question that because I think, um, there might be I, a cultural component to this. As I well. think trust is complicated. Okay. And I think it has to do with, uh, <clears throat> I, I do think if there's too many choices or too much information that can overload people, but not always. Sometimes if there's a lot of data, then I trust what the data is because there's, look, there's all this data. They must really know what they're doing. They did all this work. They gave me all this data. So I think it depends so much on the context. I think it depends on your, I think it's a lot like decision-making. I think whether, when you're deciding to trust something, that is a decision. And the research we know about decisions tells us things like confidence is really important. So how confident am I in this data? How confident am I in the source of the data? And that might mitigate how much data there is. If I'm really confident, I might not need to see a lot. If I'm really confident I, I and you show me a lot, it doesn't overload me because I think, oh yeah, yeah, see these people always give lots of data. So I think how we whether we trust or not is a decision to trust. And I think it's part of the whole decision thing. So it depends on our emotions. I think it depends a lot on cognitive biases. So if I have a confirmation bias in which I uh, this data that I'm looking at, whether it's a lot or not, is in line with things I already believe, then I'm going to trust it more, whether it's a lot of data or a small amount of data. So I think it's complicated. And... Um, but I think there are, you could definitely have you could definitely put some um, 
guidelines around it. So uh, in the sense of if you think people initially don't have a lot of trust, then, you know, you should do X, Y, or Z. But I, I don't know if you can, I really don't know if you can make a blanket statement. I don't think, I don't think, Guthrie, what is your opinion? I don't think you can say, oh, if you want people to trust the data, then show a little bit. I think it depends. Or if you want people to trust the data, show a lot. Uh, I mean, you can, there's thoughts of, you can, there's, you know, progressive disclosure. I was going to say progressive disclosure would probably help, meaning show a little bit, but then it's obvious I can dig for more. So if I don't trust yet, I can dig for more and maybe that will help me trust more, but that might actually make me trust less if I dig for yeah, more. There, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I know I've heard, I've seen research about cultural differences where, uh, people from some cultures just prefer all the data just to be shown because they, if they feel like you're hiding, like things, you're hiding then, things, then they won't yeah, trust you. Trust you. So it's complicated. Yeah. So I don't think we can. Unfortunately, we don't have an answer. No, it's too com too complicated. Context dependent. Um, all right. Uh, uh, you can email us questions at info at the team um, We'll put in links to the forest. And the Nancy Canwisher. Yep. And uh, we continue to send uh, our our thoughts to some of the geopolitical stuff that's happening around the world. And that's uh, that's always that's always a burden, but hopefully uh, this this was a fun distraction for everyone out there. And is there anything else we really should be talking about? Not that I can think of. Nah, it's the same old stuff. You can check out our our website theteamdo.com store.theteamdo.com courses.theteamdo.com we got stuff all over the place so if you have thanks any questions everyone. Just let us know. thank you thanks for listening and bye. watching bye